Thanks, Tim, for leading us so helpfully this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, we're turning uh, to a short passage this morning at the end of, of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I read a a while back uh, about in the news about how some homeowners in certain parts of America had problems with what was described as shifting soil. That was a problem because it seemed to be destabilizing the very foundation of their houses. Part of that uh, occurs in extreme weather conditions during periods, if you like, of of severe drought that the soil beneath the foundations dries out, contracts, cracks, and sinks down, sometimes pulling the house down with it. And then on the other extreme, when periods of of flooding might come at at heavy times of rain, that then starts to push the soil uh, and the already compromised foundation of the house back upwards again. And the problem with that is that it creates like a seesawing effect causing cracks and splits to appear in the house. And if if those aren't dealt with on time, then further cracking and crumbling can occur even to the extent of resulting in the house becoming uninhabitable. I wonder, do you think that that's a good picture of what life sometimes feels like? So many different conditions impacting our lives on our regular basis, challenging the very foundations of the things that we claim to depend on. The author of Hebrews wrote to a a group of Christians who were facing tough times, tough times for their faith. Throughout this letter, that's why he took time to, to encourage them to focus on the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. No matter what it was they were going through, no matter what it was they were facing, his goal was that they would keep in view the wonder of the gospel message and let that strengthen every part of their life. The verses that we read this morning in in verses 20 and 21 of Hebrews 13 form a, a wonderful prayer, a prayer that this author prays for these believers that they would know God's help to live for his glory and pleasure at all times. And surely it's a prayer that it should sum up what the Christian life for us or goal should be. But notice as at the beginning of this prayer, it, it's very clear that this isn't something that, that can be manufactured. It's not something that we can come up with uh, according to our own ability. You know, as we look at, at verse 20, we see it's very clear that it's only possible that this will take place as God works in the lives of believers. 
And so this morning, I want us to focus on verse 20 in particular, because there we're pointed to our God and some of the, the wonderful gospel truths there that remind us who he is and can encourage us as we face challenges in life and hopefully strengthen our foundations, giving us stability no matter what we face. And even as we come to pray, whether we use verses 20 and 21 as a, as a basis for prayer or, or whatever we pray, to encourage us that this is the God who we come before, to give us such confidence as we come before him that there's none like him. And so let's look at, at verse 20 in particular. I can tell you there's five things we're going to pick out. That, that's to encourage you as we get to number four that we're very near the end. And so stick with us in that. But the first thing that we want to pick out from verse 20 where our confidence lies in our God is that he's the God of peace. Many of the believers who first received this letter, they were struggling, struggling under the weight of, of opposition from the community in various ways, but they, they faced pressure from the Jewish community around them and encouraging them to, to give up trusting in Jesus, telling them instead, come back, come back to the, the rituals, the traditions, come back to the old way. And that had a real effect on their lives of pulling them back and forward, making them wonder, being pulled in all sorts of different directions, threatening their very peace and life and their peace with God, should they trust that message that Jesus alone is the way of salvation? Or should they return to Judaism? And that's why throughout this letter to the Hebrews, the, the author sets out how the old ways have, have no merit, but rather what God has done through Jesus is the better way, is the greater way. And as the writer writes here, Throughout this letter, and as he writes in verse 20, he's saying, this needs to be your focus if you're going to have peace. Instead of listening and watching the very challenging situations and circumstances unfolding around you, set your eyes on God. Remember who he is. Remember that once you were his enemies, but now you're at peace with him. And so God, or the author appeals to the God of peace at the beginning of this prayer. And as he does, he's identifying God as the true source and giver of peace. That's good to remember because in our world today, it's clear that peace certainly isn't the norm. We see that all around us, don't we? In our communities and around the world, peace seems to be something that's in such short supply. No matter how we engage with our news, we're reminded of that on a regular basis. But even when we drill down into the more personal level, so many people are struggling when it comes to peace, facing strife in so many ways, whether that's in our families with, with relationships. Maybe it comes at work and the, the job situation we have, or maybe even we're looking for a job and, and have no success, no matter how many times we apply, no matter many, how many interviews we go through. Or perhaps that strife for others comes in the form of ongoing struggles with physical or mental health. And maybe for some of us here today, listening, we get that. We know what it is to struggle with peace. 
so natural to, to look at what's going on in our lives and in the world around us and think that things are out of control. And that's why it's so important to begin where the author does here in verse 20 and get our focus on the God of peace. To remember the wonderful truth of the gospel message that even though we were enemies of God because of our sin and rebellion, deservedly facing the wrath and judgment of a holy God, that nothing we have done but all of our God has made peace for all who come to him and put their faith in the Lord Jesus. You see, rather than being his enemies, now we're classed as his friends. We're now part of his family. Instead of being under condemnation, we're now accepted. And so even though it is tempting, it feels the most natural thing to do to focus on those very real challenges that we face and the difficulties and pressures they present. The writer to the Hebrews would have us look up to get our focus on God, the God who has provided a way of knowing true peace with him. To remember that if he's provided that peace for the greatest issue that any of us face, then we can trust him as we approach him in prayer, no matter what it is we face, because he truly is the God of peace. The one who can only impart that supernatural peace as we trust him for all things. But notice how God has achieved that peace. He continues, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Our God is also a God who provides a God of provision because he sent Jesus as the means of knowing this peace with God. And as we read through the Bible, it becomes very clear that our God is a God who provides. Most of us will, will know that account of the life of Abraham when God told him to take his son, his only son, to Mount Moriah and there to offer him as a sacrifice. And yet, in spite of the fact of, of circumstances suggesting this was a foolish thing to do, Abraham went. In spite of this being his only son, in spite of his age, he went obediently as God had commanded. And we know as we, we read that account, we read of, of Isaac saying to his father, we have the fire and the wood, everything we need for the burnt offering, but where is the lamb? Abraham's answer to the boy was, God will provide. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And God did provide. He provided a ram to be sacrificed as a substitute in Isaac's place. And, and when we come to Hebrews 13, the author there wants us to remember that, that God is a God who provides. Because just as he provided a suitable animal to take the place of Isaac there on Mount Moriah, so he provided the only suitable substitute for my sin and for yours. In Matthew's gospel, we know the account well, don't we, where, where Joseph's struggling, he's heard that, that Mary's pregnant, and yet the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph to encourage him to, to explain that the son that Mary is about to give birth to is none other than the Son of God. And the message he's given is this, you will call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. You see, just as God provided that ram in the wilderness, so too God would provide a way, the only way of rescue for his people. And just as Abraham would have rejoiced in the provision of of that ram as a substitute, so too we are encouraged, those of us who know Jesus as our Savior are encouraged to rejoice that our God is a God who provides. Ultimately, he's provided the Lord Jesus to take that punishment that was deserved by mankind. And so the author here wants his audience, including you and me and, and Gilna Herc here this morning, to, to be overwhelmed by God's provision of peace for us in Jesus, our Savior. And so as we face struggles in life, challenges, wondering, can God meet our needs? We're reminded that we can come confidently before him, remembering how he's provided for us in Jesus, trusting him to answer our prayers and meet our needs. But there's a little caveat we need to to see in that as well, because so often in my life, when it comes to to deciding what, what I need, I need to remember that God knows best. God will never provide all that that I want, all that I ask for. Look briefly with me at verse 21 there because that little bit of the prayer where the author prays that God would equip them with what? Everything good for doing his will, working in them, what is pleasing in his sight. You see, as the perfect provider, God doesn't always give us what we want, but he's the one who will provide us with all that is pleasing to him and with all that is needed for doing his will. Praise God for his provision of Jesus and the gospel. Might we trust him as the one who can provide for us for all that we truly need in the midst of all that we face. So we're encouraged to remember that God brought us peace for us, his children, through the provision of his son, Jesus, who gave his life for us. But as we read on in in verse 20 of this God of peace, we read, now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, we see also that our God is a God of power. The truth of the resurrection is something that's central to the faith of the Christian. It's a truth that isn't just for Easter, but it's for every day of our lives. One we need to think about constantly and and consider what it means to us. The Apostle Paul makes that very clear in in 1 Corinthians, that the the death of, of Christ can't be separated from the resurrection of Christ. Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 3, Paul begins there by reminding us that Christ died for our sins. The wonderful provision of Jesus as our Savior. Then a few verses later in verse 17, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. You see, if Jesus had remained in that tomb where he was laid, if he'd stayed dead, the penalty for our sin wouldn't have been paid in full. But Christ's death on the cross was enough. Because God accepted that once for all sacrifice, showing that and bringing Jesus back to life from the dead in his mighty power, conquering the power of sin and death 
and hell. That's foundational for those of us who are Christians. But that's not just the power that happened those thousands of, of years ago. That's not just a power that, that's available to a particular type of Christian. No, that power that raised Jesus from the dead, God's word assures us is at work in us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. There we're encouraged with these wonderful words. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. Isn't that amazing? Our God is a God of awesome power, but that power is also at work in those who are his children. And Romans 8 and 11 reminds us again of the magnitude of that power. For there we read, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God isn't a God who's distant, but God is at work in the life of all his followers. And that's what the author of the Hebrews wants us to grasp. As he, to trust God's power no matter what it is that we face. See, as he approaches God, he knows that he comes to a God who's all-powerful. And that's the God that we come before as well. And so might we be encouraged again as we we think about the wonder of the gospel, as we, we meditate on that, and as we see that our God who raised Jesus from the dead by his mighty power is the one that we approach, the one who's all powerful, the one who's able to do all things for his glory and for our good. What an amazing God, the God of peace, the God of provision, the God of power. We're over halfway there, folks, bear with me. Notice next, Jesus is described as the great shepherd of the sheep. Our God is also the God who protects. With so many Bible references, don't we, to, to Jesus as our shepherd. Psalm 23 is probably the one that comes to mind for, for most of us, that wonderful description of the Lord as our shepherd the one who guides us, the one who cares for his sheep throughout life, no matter what circumstances or situations confront us. Then there's that passage in John 10 where Jesus reveals himself as the, the, the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, the one who loves them so intimately. Then over in 1 Peter chapter 5 and, and verse 4, the apostle Peter describes Jesus as the chief shepherd, who will one day return for his flock and, and forever we as his flock will enjoy him in, in glorious high definition and know him in all his fullness. In the ancient Near East that, and the surrounding world, the, the term for shepherd was a, a metaphor for, for leadership. And so as Jesus the shepherd leads us, so we should truly follow him and as we do, we'll know that protection upon us. And the author of the Hebrews wants us to grasp that. He says, recognize that Jesus isn't just any leader. He's not just one among many, but he's the great shepherd of the sheep. There's nothing, 
There's no one like him. No matter how appealing someone else might seem, there's no one or nothing who can compare with him. He knows his sheep intimately. He knows the best way for them to take in life. And while we don't understand where those paths will take us at certain situations in life, the wonderful truth is that our great shepherd does. And so we're called to trust him, to recognize him as the great shepherd who never leaves his sheep, who's always present with us, guiding our way and protecting us wherever we go. And so I hope we're encouraged as we think about the gospel and and how much it reveals of of God to us here in, in verse 20. But there's one more thing. The verse ends, speaking of the blood of the eternal covenant, reminding us that God is also a God who keeps his promises. And that's been a theme that, that runs throughout the letter to the Hebrews, the idea of the blood of Christ being the only way of knowing sins forgiven. The author has taken time throughout this letter to, to set alongside the, the sacrifice of animals, which had to be repeated, setting those alongside the sacrifice of Jesus making it clear that there's only one way of acceptance with God, and that's the new covenant that God has instituted as opposed to the old one. In Hebrews 8, the the author again holds up the terms of the old covenant and shows how the new covenant is so much superior. And you see, by initiating this new covenant, God was, was making an agreement, an agreement to accept those who come to him in repentance of their sin, trusting alone in the blood of Jesus. And so the author has been keen to say this, this new covenant is, is better, but, but more than that, we see here in this verse, it's not just better, it's something that's eternal. What a promise for these first century Christians and also for us today. The gift of this new covenant isn't something that, that's temporary or provisional, but it's final. I'd imagine in in life, if you're anything like me, there are people who have let you down, people who have promised to do something for you. Maybe that's someone in in your family, maybe a friend, maybe a a co-worker, certainly a politician who's been looking to be elected at at some stage. Promises are made so often and and yet broken, and I'm guilty of that, and, and I'm sure so are all of us. When it it comes to God, he's so different. All his promises are trustworthy and true. And so what a blessing to know that if we're trusting in the shed blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, then we're eternally secure because God doesn't change his mind. Friends, that's true of all of God's word. His word is a word that's trustworthy and true all the time. Even though this world will pass away, God's word will stand forever. And so might we be encouraged to to cling to God's word, to, to hold on to that, knowing that he's faithful to all his promises. And if we're ever tempted to forget that, if we ever hear messages that, that try and pull us away from that, might we be reminded to look at the truth of the gospel. And there to rejoice in the blood of the eternal covenant and what that means 
to us. These themes we've been thinking about, about God, aren't new to us this morning. For those who have been coming to the church over the past few weeks, as Drew has led us through the book of Joshua, we've been reminded of these again and again. And how encouraging it was for Joshua and the people in his day to to see that God was such a God. But how encouraging for us to be reminded that God doesn't change. And so that the God of, of Joshua and the children of Israel, the God throughout history, the God that we see working in the gospel, working his purposes out, is still the same today, the one that we can trust at all times, the one who never changes. I'm sure you've all heard, probably many of you read C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The children have heard that, that Aslan, the lion, is on the move. And you can imagine the children were, were terrified, wondering what that meant. A lion's ferocious and scary. What's that going to do? And so they were in the presence of the beaver's house. And one of the children asked this question. Is Aslan safe? Mr. Beaver replied, Aslan's safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In the Chronicles of Narnia series, Aslan the lion represents Jesus. And just as Mr. Beaver says Aslan's way isn't always safe, following Jesus isn't the easiest option. Life won't always turn out the way that we would choose or the way that we might expect. But remembering who he is, that's where our confidence needs to lie. Knowing that he's good, good all the time. Knowing that he's the king, the one who rules and reigns, the one who's sovereign over all. Knowing that he's the one who's defeated sin and death and hell. Surely that should encourage us to trust him in the very real challenges of life which will come to us. Because just like those homes in America that had problems with their foundations because of those contrasting weather conditions, we also face times in our lives that are dry and times that are stormy. Those times of life threaten to destabilize our very foundation. And so might we be encouraged today and in the days ahead to remember how God has dealt with that greatest problem any of us have ever faced the problem of our sin. And so might we worship him, trusting him, remembering who he is, and looking to him, remembering that he's the God of peace, the God who provides, the God of power, the God who protects, and the God who always keeps his promises. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We recognize, Lord, we live in a a broken and fallen world. We face many challenges and difficulties, and that's been true since the fall. And so, Lord, we we realize very naturally, and it's real, Lord, and, and difficult in this world. But we pray for each of us gathered here today. You know about each of our situations, where we're from, and what we're going through. We pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, you would still our hearts. 
Help us, Lord, in the very real difficulties and challenges of life to get our eyes fixed on you. Our great and awesome God, there's none like you. And Lord, to recognize that we can trust you, to recognize confidently that we can come before you. And Lord, to recognize that whatever we're going through, Lord, that you never change, the God of power, the God of peace, the God who provides, the God who protects, and the God who always keeps his promises. Lord, grow us in our walk with you. Help us to trust you step by step, knowing, Lord, that you know the way ahead. And Lord, if there are any here this morning who as yet don't know you, who are perhaps trusting in in something else for, for salvation, for their foundation, for true and lasting peace, Lord, we pray that they too would come to consider these things and recognize that Jesus is the only true source of peace and where our hope can truly be based. Lord, lead us on with yourself as we continue to worship you now, we pray in Jesus' name.